Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought. Here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all. So don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use the take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy roundtable, fantasy, fantasy roundtable, yeah, fantasy roundtable. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy roundtable, fantasy, fantasy roundtable, fantasy roundtable. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruning. We are back after a little bit of an extended absence and a little bit of sickness going on here at my household. So, took a little a couple days off, playing a little injured today. Throat's all messed up, but we're going to get through it. Matt is here. We are going to continue talking, hopefully, about the NFL draft. Well, we're going to discuss that here in a minute as things just continue to blow up in our face. There was a massive trade that went down as well. What was that, two days ago now? Three days Sit, ago? Darnold was yesterday. Was it yesterday? God, it feels like it was forever ago with the way this cycle goes. <laughs> we're going to talk rookie running backs as well, setting up an episode with a special guest that will be joining us on Thursday. But before we get to that, Matt, how are you doing on this beautiful Tuesday? Doing pretty good. I feel like I can breathe a little easier this week. Uh, you know, I for those that don't know, I, I work for a church. So Easter and um, Holy Week, probably our busiest uh, work work days of the year, was uh, in if for at least a little bit of eight straight days before yesterday. I'm still trying to remember what day it is. Yeah. I, I thought I it was Monday that. again today. I was like, oh, I have a show. I'm back at work. I'm like, Oh, it's Tuesday. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like that until like Sunday afternoon hits, and I realize I'm about to have to go back to work, and I'm like, "Fuck, my whole weekend's gone." Like, what? What just happened? So, yeah, it's it's not been fun. So we were uh, we were just talking off air as as things are changing here. Um, it seems like daily with the NFL draft, and so we're we're gonna continue with it. But there's a realistic shot that we might be firing up. Uh, Mock draft 3.0 and starting all over again on Monday if things continue to, uh, you know, blow up in our faces like this. Because we started off 1.0 and then obviously San Francisco 49ers made their trade. Then we have the Darnold trade made today and there's a lot of rumors going around with Mac Jones and everything else. So we'll we'll continue it a little bit because, you know, we like the content. It is kind of fun, but be prepared for 3.0 to be firing up on Monday as me and Matt start this all over and have to go through like – 25 picks to try and catch up before the NFL draft comes. Or maybe it's uh, it's really been a problem because you and I start by ourselves, so it might be next Thursday. We'll wait and we'll make Dennis responsible for three-point yeah, that, that might That might be even better. Speaking of the things blowing up in our face, let's start with the Darnold trade because that's a little bit more fun than the 17-week season. 
Sam Darnold is traded to the Panthers, and the Panthers did not have to give up much to get him. A sixth-round pick this year and then a second and a fourth next year, which is insane. I thought they would at least have to have given up two seconds, maybe some kind of first. I never really thought if it was going to be them uh, that they would have to give up the eighth pick in the first round. I I did not believe Darnold held first-round value, but I thought maybe two seconds would, would make more sense. I think it's a great landing spot for him, though. You know, you guys know that I was talking up Teddy Bridgewater quite a lot last year, being with Joe Brady in that offense. It turned out that offense was much better than we all thought. Teddy Bridgewater was just okay. And Darnold did obviously come into the NFL with a lot of hype. A lot of people thought he could do some second overall pick in his draft class. Goes from Adam Gase to Joe Brady. We've seen Adam Gase has been, you know, interesting, I guess, to say the least for a lot of players in their careers. So what is your thoughts about him now going to the New York Jets? Likely going to be there for two years. They've got him this year, and then they can pick up his uh, his last year, his rookie fifth year, which I believe is $18 million on the cap, which would make sense because I think they can get out of Teddy Bridgewater after this year as well. So your thoughts yeah. on Sam Darnold going to the Panthers? You know, I, I wrote for Dynasty Nerds looking at Sam Darnold when I thought the Jets might do uh, the smart thing and take build a piece around him, you know, and try to build up. Darnold going to Carolina, obviously you think he's going to get better coaching. The best weapons he's played with his entire career. He had Robbie Anderson before uh, when he was in New York, but Christian McCaffrey's there, DJ Moore is there. Some, somebody put Ian Thomas. I'm not sure I would put that as an asset. Also remembering that Carolina sand, signed Dan Arnold. So I don't think even they think Ian Thomas is the answer. But you figure yeah. Carolina in this draft will probably – they went entirely defense uh, in the first draft for Matt Rule. I wouldn't necessarily think that they're going to – you know, I think a lot of mocks, even we mocked them taking a tackle – which makes much even much more sense right now at pick eight, the way the draft is setting up, they probably will end up with an optional choice of either Penesul or Rashawn Slater at eight. The, the way it's tracking, it seems like we're headed toward four quarterbacks going on the first four picks and then probably impact receivers going in the next three. So Carolina could have their first choice or if they, still want to keep building up defense, but I think it makes sense to, to improve that offensive line to try to build into a young quarterback. Darnold, you know, was taken number three overall. A lot of people have pointed out he's still younger than Joe Burrow. Uh, you just think of him having been in the NFL for a long time. He was really young when he came into the NFL. The Jets situation wasn't great. His rookie year, they didn't have a lot around him. And then the two years with Adam Gase, didn't do him a lot of favors. I kind of have to wonder too, in 2019, it seemed like he was poised to come out strong and then he got mono, which mono not only knocks you out for a few weeks, but is one of those kind of illnesses that saps you of a lot of strength and energy. Supposedly he lost quite a bit of weight. People forget he finished really strong. The Jets finished seven and nine in 2019. They had a disastrous first half and Darnold missed a lot of time. And then he had that really infamous sad Monday night game where the, you know, the Patriots destroyed him and and he got caught on tape saying he was seeing ghosts. And I think that stuck with him. You forget that he finished six and two down the stretch uh, and looked like he yeah. was putting it together, which is why last year I thought maybe there was a chance the jets were going to be that kind of surprise team that their team looked awful. 
it seemed like it was bad chemistry. Any player that was a good player or had value made their way out of there last year. It looked like they were totally kind of stripping down for parts and, and rebuilding. So I don't know that we've ever seen the best out of Darnold. The, the concern that, you know, the gamble that you're taking with the trade is what you said that he's on that rookie contract, but they have to decide if they want to pick up that fifth year option before he ever gets to play a regular season game for them. Cause they have to make those fifth year option decisions during this off season. And I thought that was kind of the tricky thing with Darnold. That being said, I am with you. I thought that was a very low um, price tag. And I think we've seen people with varying opinions about what this does for him fantasy-wise. I threw up a poll on our show account yesterday that just closed. You know, who would you rather have in Dynasty? And the options I put, Sam Darnold, Tua Tagovailoa, Daniel Jones, and Jalen Hurts. I'll let you answer uh Tua Daniel Jones uh Jalen Hurts who? Or, or Darnold I I would still slightly lean Jones because I, I just think I've seen a little bit more out of him but out of the other three I'd probably have Darnold second yeah I voted Jones too but I you know especially since he's got continuity a little bit yeah. of continuity there and they've they've really built in the offense around him but I think all three of those guys have questions and opportunities uh, before them. I was interested in the poll votes. Darnold got 40%. Jalen Hurts got 33%. Uh, Jones and Tua got 13%. So I was kind of a little bit surprised about that. I think a lot of people I saw yesterday were like, wheels up for, for Sam Darnold. He could move up close to QB1. I don't have him that high. I, I still think... QB2. He's in that range, I would say, with those guys that I put in the poll where they could take off. They could not. If Teddy Bridgewater doesn't end up getting moved, they're probably going to have a competition during the offseason. Then you would think Darnold would win, but I wouldn't put 100% certainty on it. Yeah, I I would expect him to. It's funny. I was listening to uh, Kimmer, who was on on SiriusXM talking about this. It would have been either yesterday after the trade happened, or maybe it was this morning, uh, where they were talking about, you know, the Panthers are now trying to move Teddy Bridgewater, but likely won't happen because of how much money he will be on the cap. And they were talking about there's a chance that the Panthers still might cut him. And, like, if they uh-huh. did, where's a good place for him to go? And then another person was like, oh, it'd be great for him to go to the Jets because he'd be a great, like, guy to come in there and help, uh, I guess, mentor Zach Wilson and all this stuff. So it's like, if oh, they man, wanted like, him, they would have taken him in the trade because six-round pick, not that much. Morning. Where are you at that it's morning right now? Uh, Australia, maybe. Oh, Australia. We are very big in Denmark, but I don't think it's morning in Denmark, is it? No, because England's five hours ahead of East Coast time, so I think it's the middle of the night there, probably across Europe. I'm horrible with times, but morning, Montag, morning. Thank you for jumping in here. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I would expect him Austria even better. I like that. I like that very much. Uh, So, I... I, um, Oh, it's well. It's really early morning. Really early in the morning. My goodness, thank you, thank you for getting up that early. So it's probably staying up if it's twenty five minutes after midnight. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's some people like me. I get up at three o'clock in the morning for my job. Maybe it's just one of those jobs. You never know. 
But um, yeah, it, it'll be. I would imagine that Darnold would not lose out to Bridgewater's, and I, I think Darnold is, you know, a very talented quarterback. I don't think it. I just I hate to say it, but I think a lot of it was Gates because we've seen, yeah, we've seen promising moments from him. So I agree. You mentioned earlier he's going to have obviously a ton of better weapons around him, and then adding a guy like CMC too. Like, I think that was part of the Jets probably. They tried it out with Le'Veon Bell, just didn't work. Whether that was Bell, the offensive line, he never really had a Did good they even run even really game. try it out? <laughs> well, you know, Douglas tried. Now, whether – was it Douglas that signed him or the other GM? Because Douglas brought in – GM before him. Before right? him right. That they I got so, rid yeah. of and then had Gase running GM. Because that was the big thing. Adam Gase said he wouldn't he did, wouldn't have signed him, didn't – really want yeah. him and you could tell by the way he was deployed that they didn't didn't yeah. know what they wanted to do so that's obviously going to be very interesting we know that leads likely to what's all the rumors we've been talking about now for the past couple of weeks in them taking zach wilson so that'll change the future of their franchises now as well and i was listening to rich samini actually this morning who's a like a beat reporter for the jets was talking about and I don't disagree with them that a lot of people are kind of curious about this because they don't see that much of a difference in the two guys' games. So is it just one of those things where maybe it was just they, they felt like they just needed to move on from Sam Darnold now and, and try and get a fresh face in there? I, I don't know that that's exactly going to work out the way they think it is. So the, it seemed like a little bit the way they were uh, talking about it is they realized that they – because I caught a piece when I was watching NFL Network before we came on and they were interviewing Joe Douglas. Um, the NFL Network guys pointed out he used the phrase, we needed to restart the clock, which I wonder if that is a way of saying we we didn't do enough building a franchise in three years to be that close to having a rookie contract for our franchise quarterback expire. So we need to give ourselves a little bit more time. Yeah, that that's definitely. I, I know. Um, I, I I followed him because I was a huge fan of Mike and Mike in the morning. As I know you, we've been doing this show long enough now that you know that. And and I, obviously they did uh, moved on to a different show. But uh, Mike Greenberg, who does I think it's Get Up now, is a show yeah. called on ESPN. Is a massive Jets fan, and I saw him tweet out something. And I agreed with him that like. Out of everything that's gone on the past few years for the Jets and Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold's probably been like one of the least reason the Jets have been that bad. And I don't disagree with that statement. Like, I don't think it's all been on Darnold. Has he made bad plays? Yes. Has he been bad at times? Yes. But if you look at like a Baker Mayfield, who obviously came out with him, was picked right ahead of him. The Browns started to build around Baker, and we were finally able to see. We saw flashes, right, those first couple years, and then last year we finally got to see everything get put together with the coaching staff and a general manager that have built a team to help Baker, not just make it all be about him, and the Jets never did that. So it's going to be intriguing with him going to Carolina. That's – so the crucial time was, you know, we forget Sam Darnold's first game as a pro. He came out there and looked really great on the road on Monday Night Football in Detroit. You know, that was when Todd Bowles was his court was his coach. That was Matt Patricia's first game. Everybody, including myself, were picking Detroit. Thought they they were going to have an easy win. He goes in there, he gets it. He had some flashes that first year. The real that kind of shows you where in the development of a team and a quarterback and everything else, it's that coach decision you know either they they're paired together and they grow together or in the case of the jets they decided they wanted to move on from bowls at the end of that year 
And I think a lot of us thought it was a real, it felt like a really quick, really snap decision to kind of go with Adam Gase, which didn't make a lot of sense based on what we'd seen kind of fizzling out in Miami. And, you know, that seems to have set them back the last two years. It looked like Gase's first year, they started off a little bit rough but they were kind of putting something together on the back half. You know, they went six and two, they finished seven and nine. They were actually quietly a pretty good team in the second half. But last year that it just completely, the wheels came off the bus and now they're basically starting over again. And when you have that young, young rookie quarterback, it can be hard when you're changing schemes and coordinators and play callers every year. Sometimes it's better for the player and the team just to kind of start over. And now this new, administration kind of coming in taking over Robert Sala reshaping the defense they have a new offensive coordinator they can start over with a guy they want I just I'm gonna laugh too if it's if it's not Zach Wilson I mean what if all this time you know Kyle Shanahan's considered this offensive genius and everybody's saying he locked on as Mac Jones being the best pick and the Jets are like oh you know what we could take whoever we want or it's going to throw it. That would, to me, be the best part. I would, I would love it. I was talking to someone about that today. I'm like, how crazy would it be if, like, you're hearing all this talk? It's definitely Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, and then draft day comes up, and it's Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and everybody's like, what the, what just happened? It's not at all what anybody expected. So yeah. Well, it's hard to believe the 49ers go to three and only have one guy they're willing to take because that seems like you're setting yourself up. You know, if you're trading up to the number one pick, you can have only one guy you're willing to take. If you're trading up to the number three pick, you better have one A and one B as the options you're happy for because they gave up so much. Even if Mac Jones is the guy they're wedded to and he goes at two, they have to take a franchise quarterback there because you gave up so much. You don't do that to take a tackle. No offense. Yeah, I mean, again, I I probably, I mean, I know Ray Garvin, who's someone I really respect, loves Mac Jones. I've been very much, I've been very high on Mac Jones for a while now, too. Again, I have him above Zach Wilson in my rankings, and I I, I don't, I have him right there with Trey Lance as well. So I like, I just, I don't understand it, but it is, it's going to make that Thursday night really fun, regardless whether it is now what we think of the top three. Cause as we were just talking about off air, now all the rumors are that Atlanta's looking to possibly trade back. And then since he might trade back because Panay Sewell was all of a sudden, not quite the prospect quote unquote that everybody thought he was going to be. So it's, this has become a very, very interesting draft in a matter of a week, which is why it's kind of killed our entire mock draft because everything has just gone up in smoke. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's talk about the NFL did approve moving to a 17-game schedule. Obviously, that makes things very interesting for us as a fantasy podcast. It likely gives you now one more week. I would think, at least for me, most of my leagues, I'm pushing everything back a week. uh, And then just having week, what I guess that is technically week 18 now, is going to be the week 17 of before, where likely you're not going to play. But it changes a lot. I mean, you're changing, you're giving a chance for NFL record books to now be broken easier because everybody's getting in one more game. You now can never have an eight and eight season. 
ever again. Like that, that's just gone. So that's why Jeff it, Fisher re- permanently retired from coaching when he heard this. Does news. make sense that uh, that does make sense. So it, it's gonna be uh, very intriguing. I saw that a lot of it seemed like a lot of vets did not like this, but a lot of the younger players did, and I'm assuming that's just because they realize the chance or I guess I don't want to say realize because they're maybe looking at it as they're going to get more money now because they get the one more paycheck. But what was your thoughts when you saw the 17 game schedule got approved and will be in effect for the 20 it's a 2021 season, correct? Yeah. This year uh, they've already announced the 17th. It's going to be interesting too. I guess the way they've solved when you have the unbalanced schedule, the exact same home and away games, uh, gets tilted they got rid of one of the preseason games so to me i thought okay that means they're pulling the start of the regular season up a week but no they're pushing the end of the regular season out a week it's now not ending till the the second sunday in january and the nfl doing all of us dudes no favors after five months of basically walling ourselves off on the weekend watching football they have put the super bowl on valentine's day weekend thank you very much NFL really really looking forward to my wife's like February 13th. Isn't that late? Yes, it is. Please don't think too hard about it right now. Uh, In terms of fantasy and scheduling, I I'm guessing most leagues are going to go a week longer. I don't know if we'll actually know what the end of the season looks like in terms of when players play and how good it is to have a week 17 championship game. Uh, for a couple of years, because whenever they make these kind of changes, you have to go through a couple of cycles and really feel it out. Um, but, you know, more more football sounds good to me. Uh, more fantasy football sounds good to me, although <clears throat> I feel like we always feel a little bit tired at the end of the fantasy football season yeah. ready for the offseason, and now that's going to that's gonna get delayed. But in in March and April, when hope springs eternal for everyone, it sounds good. Be curious to see what it does to players, to stats. You know, do they start resting in these games where you're feeling more comfortably ahead? Are you more prone to start resting star players because you know you have to go longer? There's been talk. I think one of the reasons younger players gravitate toward it is there's been a lot of talk that this will lead to expanding the rosters permanently and expanding the practice squads permanently, which would make sense to me. Yeah. But kind of a lot of unknowns. This was a huge point of contention passing the CBA and CBA people forget came up for ratification, right? When all of COVID was kind of breaking out yeah. and they set a hard and fast deadline. A lot of people believe that had the voting extended a week or two longer, it would not have passed because of the 17 game season, but it passed and it's here and they can't do anything about it for nine more years. So I, w- I was moderately, I, I get, that they're still displeased, but I was moderately annoyed that players brought that up. Like we need to revote and stuff. I mean, you can't now. I mean, you already started reaping the benefits. It was because you have that new CBA in place that owners agreed to redistribute the losses from COVID and things like that. You, you have to give some stuff up. Um, so we'll see how much that carries into actual off season. Yeah, I'll be curious. I mean, I did hear some people talking about it today, and I wonder if maybe with the NFLs, there was talks that they they want to get down to like two preseason games. That maybe that doesn't you know help yeah. sway the players a little bit more because then they're losing another game really on top of that. So they're well, getting that kind of rest. I don't game. think they can go 
down to so the the now this was the part I forgot. The way to balance the unbalanced schedule is in year A, which is this year, mm-hmm. all AFC teams get an extra regular season home game, and all NFC teams get the extra preseason home game, and then it switches. So you always are having the same 10 home games that mm-hmm. that you had uh, per year, which is how they make money off the gate. If you take away another week out of preseason, they'll have to figure out it'll be unbalanced. Some years you'd have nine, some years you'd have 10 and they do make money of, you know, if, Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I've bought preseason tickets. We go, we spend money. We, well, you know, they, I love going to watch Denver. They do a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of teams that I, I've seen, obviously I, I've lived in Texas, but I've gone to Browns games. I've gone to actually Panthers games because my youngest brother is a massive Panthers fan. So like we've gone different places and I know that, uh, I've gone to Houston, uh, Houston Texans game. They most of the places when they do the season tickets and stuff, like you have to get preseason tickets. You can't just buy regular season tickets. It's a tickets, ten game so, package. It's yeah, however much it is for a ten game package. So I mean, so what I mean by even if they don't take that third game away, though, you're likely going to see that become the fourth game of the preseason where none of the starters play. So that and it's might be something that we really need. You know, that's something we talked a lot about in last off season when we found out there was no off season, no training camps, no preseason games, like. That really hurts the Philip Lindsay's of the world who made their names in these games actually made a way onto a roster. So I don't think that's a bad thing, even if they do that and allow, hey, this is that, you know, you just talked about hopefully expanded rosters. Okay, well, let's give these guys a shot now to play in this third preseason game to see uh, if we can find somebody. I know that a lot of speculation in the NFL is they're not going to drop and agree to go to two preseason games until they get an 18th regular season game, which if you've Remember, owners originally wanted to go to 18. They settled for yeah. 17 in this CBA. I think doing 17 and 3 is what they're they're going to balance out. Some, it's hard to imagine them agreeing to anything that would take away of the opportunity to have a game in the stadium. Because they, while that's not the only way they make money, they do make a significant share off that. Yeah. All right. So again, I mean, you know, not necessarily a bad thing. It's an extra week of fantasy football. It does really kind of, I mean, February. I guess it's a good thing for me because me and my wife don't really care about Valentine's Day. We, you know, we do the whole show each other love all year long thing. So we don't really celebrate the Valentine's. So that doesn't matter to me much, but I do, I could see how that might affect a lot of people and their relationships with with Super Bowl being on Valentine's Day. Babe, what are we doing for Valentine's Day? We're going to a Super Bowl party. Yeah. Uh, That's going to, you know, a lot of people not very happy about that. But, hey, it is what it is. We do what we do, you know, because we love it. And hopefully our wives will realize that, you know, we love football and at least let you go to one Super Bowl party every 10 years. You get get that one in there. uh, The only cool thing about that is it may also, you know, a lot of people have talked about we wish – the day after the Super Bowl was a holiday. Yeah. Getting that deep into February increases the chances it falls on President's Day weekend. I don't didn't look wow. to see if it does in 2022, but that would give you a 
Not me, but a lot of other people get off. My job doesn't but believe in holidays. If you won't so. celebrate Valentine's Day, you don't deserve presents. Hey, it's not that I don't want to celebrate <laughs> it. I still get her like you know some chocolates and some flowers. We don't go all out because I'm I my my wife. Not that she listens to this podcast and would back me up anyways, because she wants more and more all the time, which you know is understandable. Uh, but my wife is spoiled as it is, so uh, that that you know she gets more than one day. I promise you that. <laughs> really, Valentine's Day, Day is. Is the following week in 2022? I just looked it up to yeah. see if if we got that bonus. So you yeah, just have to drag yourself. Well, you have to drag yourself through a couple of weeks, but yeah. everybody else just has to drag a little bit that immediate week after. Unfortunately, my job uh, they only believe in like four holidays a year. So and you know it's usually the the ones everybody gets off for. So. Anyways, let's talk about something more fun than than my job, and that is the rookie running back. So we discussed our top five quarterbacks and then some in the previous episodes, kind of went a little bit deeper. Uh, I did love, uh, actually, I think it was last, uh, was it, it wasn't Thursday, was it? I don't think Dennis was with us, so it would have been a week nah. ago. We talked yeah. about our top, quarter, the rest of the quarterbacks, and I was talking about Speaking how- of which. Charlie Weiss, Charlie Weiss unveiled his uh, top five college quarterbacks on it because he's uh, does morning drive on NFL radio. Uh, Which uh, of our tier two quarterbacks? Kellen Mond. Is it Mond? That's that's what I was gonna bring. That's what I was gonna bring up. So I was like, I love how literally that day last week I was sitting. I was like, I just don't see it with Kellen Mond. And then he goes out and has his pro day and launches like some eighty yard pass sideways, and everybody's like, Oh my god, Kellen Mond's gonna like. Ah, shit. I mean, I will say there are a lot of people in, I'll say the industry is in the NFL that have been saying they think Helamond is going to be good. And he uh, has improved every single year. And I'm pretty sure I did say that. I just don't, I don't. I think Chris I Sims know. had Helamond uh, at one point, had him like as QB2. He's come back to like four. But yeah, at one point, Kelamond is... will be at one, he'll be at three, five, six with Chris Sims. He likes to get a quarterback in at each spot, so when, whenever that does happen, he can tweet out his rankings like, see, I told you so. I've learned that about Chris Sims. So You're saying you don't follow his, his rankings as gospel? I, I do not. No, I, I saw this. Uh, uh, well, just to clarify, in case anybody watching or listening, because I'm not trying to like take shots or anything, uh, Jared Wackerly, uh, who's at the Nerds With You, uh, tweeted that out because he was like, hey – that way to because he, he like he tweeted out something about how he's nailed like the quarterback rankings the past couple years, but then it was pointed out that like he consistently changes his ranks and then he tweets out the one that makes him look the best. So like my quarterback ranks haven't changed in like six weeks. They are what they are. They're not gonna change. Like I don't care where they land. It's not gonna change. Like uh, these are the guys I think in that order. So that that's just me personally though. I'm. You know, everybody's allowed to do them. that. That's all. I'm not trying to take shots at Chris Sims. He's phenomenal at what he does. He creates good content, good TV. So, anyways, running backs. Who's your number one? Because I believe we have the same number one running back. Najee Harris. It is Najee Harris for me as well. What is it that you like about Najee Harris? And are you at all worried that he could see Derrick Henry's not the right thing? Is Derrick Henry ended up being good? But uh, are you at all worried that he could Mark be? Inger? Uh, Mark Ingram was pretty good too, I think, but more of like the, I don't think he's Trent Richardson. So let's not go that route, but uh, like maybe when I say few people can be Trent Richardson, (laughs) when I say Ingram and uh, how about when I say Ingram and Derrick Henry and the fact that maybe doesn't live up to the hype we're building as an RB one, 
or or maybe isn't quite I guess the way I should put it is a lot of people are worried that because last year he he was supposed to come out. He was a senior, obviously, this mm. year. And he got a third round draft grade, which is he said he wanted to go back to school to prove that he was better than what the NFL was giving him. Rumor was that he got a third round draft grade on him. I felt like he went out this year and had a phenomenal year, but a lot of people are like, well, he pretty much did the same thing he did the years prior. So why should we bump him up that much? So what is your thought process on that? I don't know. I thought he looked pretty incredible. He looked pretty versatile. With any of these running backs, it's what kind of opportunity and and commitment. You know, somebody on the NFL radio, one of the days I was listening, was talking about Derrick Henry and that it wasn't until, you know, Arthur Smith and an offensive coordinator that really believed in him and was willing to just give him the touches that he was able to maximize. You know, and you had the flip side. We Some of us had concerns about Josh Jacobs because he had split, you know, coming out of that Alabama system. And I think when they've given him carries and touches, he's looked good. Harris, to me, looks like he has more capability to be involved in the passing game. I think it depends a little bit where, where he ends up. You know, if he went to Arizona, uh, you know, I think that could be phenomenal. A lot of people have mocked him going to Pittsburgh. Um, you know, you see some potential to be kind of a Le'Veon Bell type. I think he would instantly be better than the trio that they've currently got there. Uh, but if you go, you know, if you go to the wrong place, anyone anyone can have, you know, we all think DeAndre Swift is really good. But last year, he didn't always get the opportunities. You saw Cam Akers at the beginning of the season. It was like, oh, you know, maybe he's not that great. When he finally started getting some touches, it takes these guys a little bit probably to acclimate to the pro game. Uh, Usually the biggest question for rookie running backs is can they hold up in pass protection? Um, Najee Harris had an incredible season. He looked so electric when he had the ball at times last year. Uh, I know I've heard you say you don't think this is the greatest overall running back class. That's that's probably true. So maybe he lucks out a little bit in in coming out into this group. Um, but somebody has to be number one. That's who I went with. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say I don't even think it's relatively close. Like, I, I love the second running back uh, that I have number two. Uh, I've you know, everybody talks about him now. I was talking about him back in like week two of the college football season because some of the things that he was doing and I've liked him since. And uh, I I don't even think it's necessarily close between those two. I think Najee is a clear running back one in this class. I I really like him, Uh, not just based on what – I did a little video that I know you saw you retweeted it, which I appreciated. Like his ability to not just – run you over with his size, which he's a very big guy, moves very well with his feet, but his ability to make you miss as well, I think is an underrated part of his game. I mean, he had the second most missed slash avoided tackles in college last year to the number two guy on, I think pretty sure he's the number two guy for both of us. Uh, So he's very elusive when he needs to be. The only thing in my opinion he doesn't have, he doesn't have that home run speed. But again, I'll say, that doesn't matter for me as a running back. Like, not every time a running back touches a ball, they're going to take a ball to the house. Like, it's just not going to happen. But Najee Harris consistently gets yards every time he touches the ball. And that's what you want out of a running back. You know, it's a Derrick Henry. Like, can Najee take it to the house? Yeah, we've seen Derrick Henry can too. 
What does Derrick Henry do? He gets you like four yards every time he touches the ball. At the end of the day, that adds up. And the difference with those two is as well, Najee is a much better pass catcher. Like he is actually a good asset in the receiving game. So I, I don't think I care. I shouldn't say I don't care. If he ends up going to, like, Dallas and he's there with Zeke, that's going to suck. If he goes to, like, a team where – I don't want to say if he ends up splitting the ball somewhere, as long as it's not, like, a CMC, a Barkley, a Zeke, like, one of those top guys are lucky to go fucking to Detroit and it'd be him and Swift there or something like that, I know. But as long as he doesn't go to a team Baltimore. like that uh, – yeah, I'd hate that too. Like, as long as he doesn't go to a team like that, I really think that he he will be, if not, because we, we've seen the past couple of years, there's always that one rookie running back that ends up being a top 12 asset. As long as he doesn't go to a team like that, I think it's going to be him, or he'll at least finish right around that range. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he's going to be a bust in any sort of fashion. I agree that this class really outside these top three, it, it takes a little bit of a drop off. Uh, he for me is like the most for sure thing. I, I don't see That's, any way that he bust. That was kind of what I was gonna. I think you and I have the same top three because it seems like there's three guys and then some guesses. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I'm trying to respond back to somebody about the Midwest Fantasy Expo. So number two, I'll go. I'll go first here, and I, I'm pretty sure I was looking at your list earlier. I don't have it pulled up, but it is the yeah. same person for both of us, and that is Javante Williams out of North Carolina. And like I said about Najee Harris just a minute ago, you could make the same argument about Javante Williams. He can do everything. He can make you miss. Great in the receiving game. He will definitely run you over. His contact balance is elite, and I hate throwing that word around, but I really do believe that. Watch some of the games that he had against Duke um, and Miami specifically. He had two runs against those teams where, I mean, he's just running dudes over. The Miami one, uh, there's a play, I think they're on like the 10-yard line, and he gets the ball in his running, gets a guy tackling him on his feet, uh, and finds a way to get out of it and keeps his balance up and ends up getting into the end zone. Incredible contact bounce, extremely good receiver as well. The one thing I loved about him and watching his game in compared to who is both our RB3 and Travis Etienne's receiving ability is that Javante catches the ball all over the field, not just kind of like in swing passes in the backfield. Very soft hands and almost immediately gets upfield once he catches the ball, which I think is massive. He almost turns into like a, a wide receiver once he catches the ball. He doesn't dance or anything. He's immediately looking to gain yards which I like Um, very much like Najee. I don't think it matters where he goes. I think he will produce. The only thing I am worried about with him. Please not Baltimore. Baltimore and Detroit, if you are listening, please, for the love of God, do not draft a running back. Yeah, yeah. Or do not draft one of these running backs. I traded a lot to get up into one and twos in a couple of my uh, big dynasty leagues so I could get one of these guys. So I'd really love if you guys did not screw me on this. But uh, I, I don't want to say I have doubts that Javante would bust, but I, I have less doubts about Najee than I do Javante. And it's just because one year production in a very good, uh, very good offensive line at North Carolina as well. There, Michael Carter, who also produced very well as, as well with him little bit uh, did not love the size that he came in on his pro day either, but I don't doubt his physical play with the way he played last year. So I, I don't have as much doubts, but I think if I had to pick one or the other between those two and him and Najee, it would, I would still lean Najee and being the one I, I have no doubt would, would bust. But Javante, I mean, he's right there 
for me. I, I think he's going to be a phenomenal running back as well. And again, the same thing with Najee. He just doesn't have that home run speed. He's not going to beat anybody to in a foot race to the end zone, but he consistently eats up yards. Um, I was trying to remember what his was. I know Najee is so like a, a no-gain loss run is a percentage of the runs they had uh, based on like them getting no gain or a loss on the line of scrimmage. And I know Najee was second, and, and by looking at running backs who actually had a significant amount of carries last year, uh, let me sort my column really quick because I wasn't going to talk. Oh, okay, it is sorted. So uh, Jared Patterson ended up being the number one with Buffalo with 11%. Some of that I do think comes in with competition, but then Najee Harris was second with 12%, and then where did Javante comes in sixth with 15%. So not great, but Najee, again, just showing that he continually gets those positive yards uh, on every single play. What is it that you liked about Javante when you were watching him? Yeah, I mean, it feels like the last month a lot of people have kind of uh, fallen in love with him, and one of the great things, you know, if you follow – the fantasy football community on Twitter come draft time. Uh, they, they pull clips for you and they drop them up there and watching just uh, some of the power and some of the breaking tackles, um, looking at his numbers. Uh, I was just impressed. I think he has a chance to be good if he goes to the right team. It was, a, it wasn't that, that hard to put him up there. It seems like, like I said, it seems like there's the same kind of, Three. I know it was interesting, you know, who we're getting to. ATN went back last year. Uh, and, you know, at the time he went back, it seemed like that was a great move for him and he was going to jump to the top of the group. Didn't have maybe as flashy of a last year and now has kind of ended up third in that pack. But any of those three, I think, has good good potential. I do feel a little bit bad for ATN because almost every mock draft has him going to the Jets. Yeah, that uh, that would uh, not be great. So let, let's talk about ETN then. He is third for both of us. And still, this is where we just talked about our, our teardrops. This is kind of where I am with you. There's a little bit of drop-off off the player that comes next, which we do have different fours. So that'll be when we get to kind of have a little bit of discussion here. So my biggest issue with Travis ETN, I've said this on the Debbie Debate, any other podcast that I've gone on, when I'm scouting running backs or watching tape on running backs, my biggest thing is there's two things that I look for that I care about when I'm watching a running back. That's vision, lateral speed, or lateral agility. I don't care if you can take a ball of the house home run speed. I've mentioned that now a couple times. I'm talking about Najee and Javante. Really don't care about how good you are in the receiving game. It's a plus, but it's also not a negative if you're not that good at it. So two things with Travis Etienne, he has gotten better every single year as a receiver. Let's not forget over a year ago, he was talking about how he was scared to catch the ball when the ball's thrown to him, which again, he improved on. He looked better his senior year. But if you actually go back and look at most of the plays uh, when he was in the receiving game and chart his receptions, they came behind the line of scrimmage in like swing passes. So you're not going to get that all the time in the NFL, especially if they want him to actually go out and run wheel routes and stuff like that. Now, I'm not saying he can't do it. Watch it. There's a game against, uh, I don't remember who it was now. Off the top, man, it may have been like an NC State or something. He makes a phenomenal catch. Now, so I'm not saying that he can't catch the ball. He can. 
to me, Javante and Najee are just a little bit better at it. So that's a little bit, you're splitting hairs with these three guys, but taking the smallest of details, you're trying to figure out which one you like more that moosed both those guys up above ETN a little bit. And I just don't think ETN has great vision and I hate comparing him to this player because I also did like this player a lot coming out of college, and I do think that he's better than this player. But what it reminds me of sometimes is Ronald Jones. He has a ton of athleticism, great burst, elite speed. I mean, he will win many races to the end zone if he gets into the open field. And if he gets into the open field, he is extremely dangerous. But I joke, if you're running into the ass of your offensive lineman, you're not going to be getting into the open field. So that's not something... It's something he can improve on. That's not something that once you're bad, you have bad vision. You can never improve it. It can be improved on. And he has, in my opinion, improved on that as well. But still seeing that as a senior at Clemson, which is a very good team. Now their offensive line is not what South Carolina, so I'm sorry, North Carolina is now Alabama's is, but it's still a very good offensive line. That worries me a little bit going into the NFL. And, and I'd be curious to see where he goes. You know, the Jets likely might improve their offensive line here. We'll see. I mean, I don't, I don't know. They're likely using their second pick, it seems like, on Zach Wilson. So I don't know how great it's going to get, but that worries me a little bit. So ETN, thoughts on him and why you have him as RB3? Yeah, I mean, I, I still I still like him. Uh, but like you, his, he, he seemed to struggle a little bit more his senior year, his – Yards per carry was was down, um, you know, was the worst of his college career. Um, you look at a guy like that, too, the window for running backs and ultra-productive time for running backs is so small. Sometimes you wonder if the guys that play all four years and have significant carries all four years, if that doesn't begin to wear them down. And you're talking about a guy that had almost 700 carries alone that's a lot before, you know, and like you said, Clemson, they were competitive every year. They were in college playoffs fighting for national championships every year. So playing pretty significant competition. Um, I still think, think he's going to be good. Be curious to see where he goes. Um, You know, the jets, the jets are trying to rebuild and we should probably give Robert Sala who we, I'll like a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. It just when you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective and hoping to grab one of these guys and get great production, that scares me a little bit more than, than maybe going to a Pittsburgh offense. that seems a little more robust or even Arizona where it seems a little more further along and robust. Yeah. I mean, if he goes to an Arizona, I do think that he would work well there just because I, I think, Kingsbury could design up some very interesting things from obviously San Francisco would be a great landing spot for any of these arm running backs. We're going to talk about but San Francisco uh, but I, doesn't ha- even have a second anymore, right? They had to give it up to get, I to get up to where so, yeah. I think they have a first and they don't pick again. I'm going to look them up. I thought they gave a second, but I'll look here. Let me see here. Oh, draft order. I have a page up second round. Uh, Yes, they do not have a Jaguars, Jets, Falcons, Dolphins, Eagles, Bengals, Panthers, Broncos. So no, they they pick again. Oh, they pick again at oh, forty three. Yeah, forty three. Yeah. So that could be. Yeah, I he guess could fall that. Far. The big question, you know, last year we only saw one running back go in the first round. That wasn't until pick thirty two with Kansas City. Do you think any of these three go in the first round? 
Uh, I would say I right now I'm like 50, 50, a running back goes in the first round. I don't think more than one. I think it's just yeah. one. And I, I think it'd be Najee. Uh, and I'll be honest because of the way a lot of people and it hear, I hear NFL people value ETN. I wouldn't be surprised if ETN's the second running back off the board, even though we yeah. all like Javante. It seems, it seems like Javante has really kind of moved himself over ETN for a lot of people. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if ETN's the second running back off the board. But it, it for me, like I, I don't much like if you guys watched our live show and we all saw Clyde Edwards Hilaire go at 32 and like, really? Like of all the running backs, that's who you're taking. I feel like I wouldn't be that shocked if Najee was the first running back off the board and goes in the first round, but I'd be a little bit okay. Like there, so they are gonna go that's right what back. You're in. saying running back one off the board, Kenny Gainwell. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe if he goes to Kansas City, well, no, who won the Super Bowl? I mean, I wouldn't be put it past the Buccaneers to do something like that. Why not? So maybe. Oh my God, everyone, everyone that drafted Keyshawn Vaughn just like yeah, started drinking. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know if uh, ETN would be a great fit with Pittsburgh, though. I definitely think that'd be more of like a Najee Javante fit, and me personally, but because uh, I think they want somebody with a little more power. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, think I mean, that's that typically run. been the, the, the Pittsburgh better. wants a little more power. That's not really what I think of with ATN. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He's not. He he can run around you. He's not really running through you that much. Yeah. So, this is where we see our first difference in the ranks. So I'm going to let you go first because uh, my running back four. I'll just say now is your running back five. So I'll let ah. you talk about yours because your running back four is not in my top five. I went with Michael Carter. I think it's a toss-up. Again, I've seen a lot of people in different spots. I was impressed. He's another one that that had kind of uh, four years of contributing to North Carolina. He actually, for for as much as we talk about Javante, and I, I still like him better, Michael Carter had over 100 more yards on one fewer carry, um, had a better yards per average, caught the same amount of passes, uh, he didn't have the touchdowns um, that his teammate did last year, but he had a pretty solid year. He had more than a thousand yards each of the last two years. Um, so I guess part of its experience uh, and and production for me, it, it was kind of hard to to go back. You know, a guy that I don't don't quite have in the, the five I looked at is Chuba Hubbard too. Who, if we would have, if he would have come out last year, probably would have been yeah higher up sure. in the group and had just an astonishingly abysmal twenty twenty, um, which seems to have dropped him. And I think it's the other thing that's making it really hard is there was just such, you did not have a uniform college season or a uniform college season experience for these guys. We talked about this with quarterbacks too. Some of these quarterbacks didn't get to play. Trey Lance did not have a 2020 to, to put on tape after a great 2019. So he didn't have the bad games to maybe make you think twice, but he didn't have the good games to build on it. He creates questions. Some of these guys unfortunately rolled out there and didn't have great seasons, probably for various reasons, you know, hard to tell. Um, so I, I wouldn't say my confidence is incredibly high about anything after I felt like there was three that were easy to put somewhere at the top. And then we'll see where some of these other guys get drafted. Yeah. And, and I mean, one of the guys that really, I think 
somewhat is going to be affected by what you were just talking about is a guy that you actually just mentioned, and that's Kenny Gainwell. I mean, he had a really good 2019, but we did not get to see anything out of him in 2020. Uh, obviously, he had a really good pro day. He weighed in over 200 pounds, um, ran really good, looked really good. So he he's a guy that he's my five. Uh, so, I, I mean – I like him a lot. My biggest fear with him is I don't I don't think he ever really carries a workload. Phenomenal receiving back, though, and he's a guy who can be lined up anywhere, so it's going to make him dangerous. I, that's why I joked if he went to Tampa Bay and became the receiving back. But uh, he, he's one that I'll be interested to see where he lands because I, I really like Gainwell, uh, but I just like uh, Jamar Jefferson a little bit more, who is my four out of Oregon State. Now, I've been toting him for years. I feel like uh, me and um, a Friend of a uh, friend of ours, and uh, you know, I, I guess would you say the owner, or the leader of the network here, and Ricky Valero is another guy who's been very big on Jamar since the beginning. He had that phenomenal freshman year, uh, broke out actually. He's an 18 year old at Oregon State. Uh, was a three star in that class. He wasn't actually even supposed to be the starting running back, but injury happened to um, Artavius Pierce, who's in the NFL now. Uh, and and they put Jamar in. He was so good that he did not relinquish the job back. Then his sophomore year, we expect him to take a step forward, got a high ankle sprain, missed a couple games, and when he came back, ended up in a timeshare. So if you look at his stats, you're trying to figure out what happened. Massive dip. He was splitting time with, with Artavius Pierce. But then this junior season happens, and – I do think he kind of got screwed a little bit. Being in the Pac-12, they handled things poorly, just like the Big Ten did. Yeah, Nobody even knew if they were ever going to play. Exactly. But if you go and look at what he did, he put up over 150 rushing yards. I believe it was like his first five games. He only played six, I think. Uh, and 200 rushing yards in two of them. He, he had really good games. And I know a lot of people say, well, Pac-12 – defenses aren't that great there were a lot of good defenses now the biggest one Oregon their defense was down this year I think they were like the 50th ranked rush defense so take that with a grain of salt um again I'll say my biggest thing on why I like Jamar Jefferson vision his vision is phenomenal he sees the hole and despite what his uh, three cone drill tells you because uh, if you go look at his pro day it was not great uh, and his three cone drill was not good he has great burst and great lateral agility when he sees a hole he gets through it he's very good at hitting the cutback lanes as well he's elusive when he needs to be as well especially when he gets out in space he's a good receiver and i think he's got really good contact balance uh now he's not a uh, what's how do I want to put this? He's not like a Javante or Najee Harris. He's not running you over. There's a lot of times that he does get brought down by the first tackler, which is obviously a con on his game. And again, he doesn't quite have the long speed. He was taking more yards to the house this year, which is a little confusing for me because watching it, there were some where he was outrunning guys, but then you look at his 40 time and he ran like a four or five something, which is not great. It's not horrible, but it's not great. Uh, which would lead you to believe he's not beating anybody to the red zone. And I'm curious and wondering if maybe, unfortunately for him, he just had a really bad pro day. And it wasn't necessarily yeah. that that's his, he's that looks that bad statistically. And, and based on that, maybe it was just a bad day, but that could end up affecting him because that's what the NFL teams are going to go on because they have such limited tape on him from this year. And could that affect his draft stock? But I really like Jamar. I, I see him more as like a, all around like an RB2 type player. Like he compares very favorably to Mark Ingram, which is someone we just talked about earlier, who, again, if a lot of people expected him to be. Years. In, yeah. 
I, I, I think Jamar could do that, but I don't think he's an RB1. I think if for fantasy, you're looking at a guy who could be a very consistent RB2 at times, especially if he ends up on a team who maybe has a starter. He gets in that pass catching, pass catch role, maybe a, a change of pace back. And if there's an injury, he steps up for you. He's a guy that I think, you know, I've seen a lot of rookie mocks have him in like the third round. I'd be thrilled to get him in the third round and stash him because I think he's got a lot of upside. But Again, we talked about there's a drop after those top three. You know, I, I, I hear the argument on Gainwell, Michael Carter, um, Trey Sermon's another guy who's right up here in this top five for me. Uh, all so these that's guys. what I was going to say. There's there's the top three, and then yes. there were six for me, Carter, Jamar Jefferson. I have Chuba Hubbard, Kenny Gainwell, Ramondre Stevenson, and Trey Sermon is in that next group. And you could mm-hmm. probably convince me on any given day to move them up or down. Yeah. Um, I was trying to much, pull. It, it really broke my heart not to move him up, Ramondre up a little more after hearing Felix's impassioned speech. About yes, him. he's very big on Ramondre. So my next guys, and all these guys are in tier two for me, and I think are all, again, have fantasy upside, but it is a little bit limited, is Jamar, Gainwell, Sermon, Carter, and then Khalil Herbert. I l- really like Khalil Herbert. Yeah. He's he's a big uh, guy I'm really a big fan of. And Elijah Mitchell is moving his way up there, I'll be honest. And I, I said this on Twitter because I posted my rankings yesterday while I was at the doctor. Um, I have not watched a ton of Elijah Mitchell, so Pro Day caught my eye. I've seen a couple games. I'm going to go back and work, look more at him. He's jumped a bunch of guys. Ramondre Stevenson's my RB12 right now, and I, I just – I like him. I just I like I, the story. Yeah, I just I don't see him really being much of a much of a guy at the NFL level, unfortunately. It's just gonna depend for some of these guys where they go. I have I have Herbert up there in the top ten too, and then Mitchell at eleven right now. So that I mean we're it's all about it's, it's the same a, a guys. Group it's of just, the same guys, it's just yeah. Kind of mixed around. Yeah. So that, that'll be interesting to see. We're going to have John Lobb from NFL Draft Bible and, and SI uh, on with us on Thursday, and Dennis will be as well. So it'll be interesting to see where some of these guys come in. We won't just talk running backs. We'll talk wide receivers, quarterbacks as well. He's big on Zach Wilson, and you know I was actually in the middle of, since I know how much you uh, respect Felix and how much he loves Zach Wilson, we're actually in the middle of a text message thing going on right now because some people that he truly respects are like – completely bailing on Zach Wilson and he he's completely torn on what to do. So it'll be fun to have a little bit of talk about Zach Wilson with John law. Tis, tis the season where every yeah. day it feels like new information. Someone else is getting attacked. And, yep. and then uh, that's in that some ways it's what'll make the 29th, you know, 30th and first exciting, but also it'll make it exciting that it's over and they're on their teams and we can actually see how, what they do. Yeah. Uh, so since we're already almost at an hour and we, you know, and our mock draft sucks mock drafts messed up, we're just going to skip that for now. Maybe we'll address it some on Thursday. If we have time, get John's opinions on some of those picks as well. Cause he, John is a phenomenal, not just like draft. The dude knows college very well as well. It puts me to shame. And I think I know the college game very well. So maybe it'll be fun to get his opinions on some mock draft stuff. So we can do that. We are going to talk Falcon and Winter Soldiers. We saw a phenomenal episode three. Hopefully it redeemed the series a little bit in Mr. Fox's eyes. Because yeah. if you were here last week, he was not quite that thrilled that with get, what happened in episode two. That gift of uh, Zemo alone dancing. Bounce it right back up. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about it. Kick kick it off. What was your first thoughts on, on, on Zemo here? You get to see a lot of them, which I was not expecting at all. I thought he was going to be like a main protagonist which may still happen 
but definitely took a different turn than I was expecting in episode three. Yeah. And Daniel Bruhl is such a, a good actor, you know, a guy who's, who's done a lot of uh, feature films. You get to see a very different side of him than we saw in civil war where he was pretty much just the kind of antagonist uh, didn't have a ton of personality and depth. You get a lot of personality and depth here had great interplay with, uh, with Sam and Bucky. Um, their adventures were interesting. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but towards the end when, when the lab's under fire, I thought he was bailing on them and really he was just going yeah, to, he's like, too, yeah. no, we're all, we're all on the same team. Now that does not mean I think he won't turn on them at some point. I'm a hundred percent sure he's, he's like a human version of Loki. You know, I think just about the moment you start to count on him being a good guy is when he's going to turn on him. But it it's a lot of fun, a lot of personalities. Really dialed back uh, seeing the new Captain America. I think he only appeared in like one or one or two scenes, so that made me a little happier. We got to see Sharon Carter finally. We've seen her in the credits uh, the past couple of weeks. Get to see a little bit about what happened to her, and that's really the strength. Those four actors were really good. Um, I thought the action was good. The directions it took uh, was really good. Uh, they seemed to be having a little more fun. Like there was no real need plot-wise for them to insert that shot of Zemo dancing at the nightclub. But it's a heck of a lot of fun. You know, it seemed like they they maybe found themselves a little bit. Yeah, it was interesting. The um, did, well, I'll start with Zemo, and then I, I do want to talk about Sharon Cardo. Yeah, it was very interesting twist. Uh, I think they've made him a very likable character with the way he kind of handled himself with those two as well. I agree. They played off very well, the three of them off each other. I hope that he doesn't end up going bad. I'm with you that I I could see it happening, but it'd be very intriguing to see if maybe they find a way to like, just keep him doing this. Cause I mean, he, he was very honest. He, he didn't want the Avengers to be around anymore. Like that, that was his whole goal earlier. And they're not necessarily around at the moment. So maybe it's just one of those things where he's just like at the end, Maybe they just kind of let him go, like we saw. Well, their uh, goals are kind of aligned. He's been yeah. anti-super soldier from the jump. That's why he did all those kind of things to to kind of expose it. And right, right now, Bucky and Sam are anti-super soldier. So yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. If something does happen that maybe ends up turning him against them or vice versa. But uh, so far it looks like those three are going to be at least very fun for hopefully at least at least one more episode, if not more moving forward. Sharon Carter was very interesting to me. Now, obviously we knew she was going to be in this. If you watch the trailer, you, you saw at least, I know at least in one trailer, I saw that she was going to be in the series. Things have not gone well for her since Civil War, which is interesting because things flipped for everybody else, it seems, but Sharon Carter, who is still an outlaw uh, and still um, wanted, I guess, by the United States of America. You know, what does that mean for you? And, and uh, do you think that there is a way for her to get redemption? Yeah, and obviously she wants to get to be able to come home, you kind of got the sense that all those uh, agents of shield were, were a little bit out. Even when you see, um, you know, Samuel Jackson's character in spider in at the end of Spider-Man, they don't, it doesn't seem like they're exactly working in the same government channels that they were, you know, Nick Fury and, and his team, obviously she was viewed a little bit differently too, because she broke the law when she got the, materials back to help Steve and Sam and Bucky because she believed in them. Um, 
but it also seemed like she found a, a car, you know, kind of carved out a new role for herself. It was interesting. She seemed to be fine with her setup. It was hard to get a feel for exactly how hard she tried to get back, you know, and to get, get forgiven. Um, hopefully we'll, we'll see some more. I'm sure she'll have to come, you know, have more to do with the plot and you can see Sam kind of intervening for her, but it carries on the, the theme that I think we've seen in the show. One of the things that we both liked, you know, we saw Sam is this hero doing all these things, but has major financial problems, struggling to save his family. Bucky got a pardon, but really has no, you know, focus, no purpose, uh, struggling going through therapy. It's, what happens when they're not on the mission, you know, getting a chance to see the toll that this life and all these things take on them. Uh, So yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to see what she does moving forward. And if they can get a pardon for her, if she'll continue to be at all part of this universe or not, I I don't know how that's going to work out. Obviously she has a major connection with cat being um, Peggy Carter's. I think it's niece. Niece? Okay. Niece, so it may be niece. I can't remember. I think we looked it up because like issues. I think one thing in the comic, but different in the TV show. Yeah. I think or the well, movies. I, I'm sorry. I wonder too if they have a little bit of a uh, you know what her availability is because the actress Sammy Van Camp is actually a main series regular on a hospital Resident. show on Fox. Yeah, love it. Love the Resident. Big fan. Me and my wife watch it every week. So yeah, uh, uh, big fan. Big fan of Conrad Hawkins. All right. Anyways, we're, we'll skip that for now. Uh, so third episode, we definitely got to see a lot more action as well. But as you mentioned, a lot of fun with the with the dancing and everything. Do you think we get to see more of that? Maybe it moves back to more action. Pe- action uh, Because there's a very shocking thing that happens at the end of the episode that I also want to talk about. So I do think they're trying to go with a little more... Uh, buddy comedy they were between Bucky and Sam too uh, even in episode two which uh, wasn't wild about the buddy comedy and kind of the the tag team it, it feels a little bit for la- I mean it's not exact but kind of that lethal weapon kind of tone where you yeah. have the guys out there and they're very much you know trying to solve a case doing some undercovers Baron Zemo kind of slid into there. I don't know if you watched as Lethal Weapon went along. They had like the Joe Pesci who yes, who yeah. came in, you know, and added some fun. And it's not exactly the same, but there were some moments there where he was like, you know, me, that suit he made Sam. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I do hope that that we're moving toward that and and that they're going to maximize that a little bit more. Uh, so since we've already kind of talked about Zemo and we think that we, I, I, I will say that I don't think he ends up turning on them, but I, do you, you disagree with that, right? You think you're like, what would you cap it at? Are you like 50, uh, 50 or maybe a little bit like, like a Loki where when their goals no longer align, he's going to serve himself. He's not going to let yeah. himself get put back in prison. Let me put it. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you that way. Yeah. I think they're, I don't know if it's something where like they let him go or he just kind of finds a way maybe in like the final episode or so to kind of sneak off once, once whatever's taken and care of, set take himself care. up for his next, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So last, uh, but not least here, or, and I wanted to, and I can't remember what her name is. Thoughts on who looked to be, in my opinion, a good guy in uh, the super soul, super serum soldiers, 
blows up the thing killing innocent people. Yeah. Uh, which you can tell that the other guy that was with her clearly was not okay with, and they they had not discussed, but she said this is the only way that they understand or whatever. You think that's setting up maybe her to be the now new bad guy moving forward? I think they were setting her up to be the bad guy. She's obviously the one that, that got all the serum, serum and put them together, and the whole point of their group which we haven't had a lot of time to explore seemed to be that uh, life was better during the snap yeah tough look to take tough position to take uh and what they seem to be doing is attacking the government strongholds that are meant to be providing supplies to help the people that disappeared for five years and came back re-ingratiated into society and taking it for themselves saying you're stealing our resources yeah uh that would be very much on the Thanos plane of, uh, you know, of plans and of views of the world, which isn't great. Uh, and you kind of got that even more when she blew them up and said that, you know, they're stealing from us. Yeah, which sets up them too with, uh, is it the power broker that she's going up against yeah. too with that as well? So you get a yeah, lot cause of. Yeah, because she stole from the power broker who had yeah. originally commissioned it. So you've got whoever this power broker is obviously is going to probably play a major thing coming down the road here as well. Uh, we did get to see a little bit more of Captain America and almost a little bit of a darker side to him as well when he goes into the place that they were. I believe her name is Kylie, if I'm remembering correctly now. Yeah. Or maybe that's her act, her real name. I don't remember. But uh, mm. he kind of goes a little bit dark there, but definitely seems like he's him and uh, I don't remember the dude's name, but it's not a... a uh, impressive one. Uh, yeah, they. Uh, I tried to block them out because I don't care. They definitely seem to be leaning more on on Sam and Bucky. Hopefully, being able to do this, and when he kind of makes a comment about, well, we do have a, a ace in the hole or something like that. So, uh, what is so far after? Obviously, you seemed like you liked episode one. Definitely liked episode three. Episode two yeah. seems to be a little bit of a downer for you. And where are you at now moving into episode four coming out this Friday? Um, his character's Battlestar. Battlestar, that's right. I forgot because it was a forgettable name. And you're right. Carly Morgenthau is the character name. So for our villain. Um, I'm hoping for more of what we saw in, in episode three, in terms of those characters working together, it seems like they, they left Sharon Carter. Although, you know, we see her at the end, get in the car and says she's got work to do. So I, I don't know when that's going to come back up, but I, I like seeing the three of them uh, playing off. I think we're probably going to have to see them in some way, start to clash with Captain America. I feel like the, the trajectory of these kind of stories is, Captain America, you know, the new Captain America tries to bring them on the team. They kind of go their separate ways in the middle of the seasons where they kind of clash and appear to be at odds. But at the end, they're going to have to realize they're on the same side and come together. And then hopefully Captain America dies tragically and Sam takes over. Oh, man, poor guy. Poor guy. I don't want that to happen. But I am interested to see what ha- ends up happening with the shield and all that. Is because you, it clearly seems like that's what Bucky wants to happen as well. He very much wants. Well, that he guy pretty to much said, gone. "If you won't yeah. take it, I will." Yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting. I, I do want to bring up one more thing before we go. I have not watched it. I am refusing to watch it. Did you watch the new Loki trailer? 
I did watch the trailer. I thought it looked good. Um, it looked interesting. That's another one. I wasn't sure exactly how they were going to go with the show, but you get a little bit more of an idea, but not so much that it gets ruined. I am looking forward to that. I think Hiddleston's good. The other oh, thing yeah. I was going to say is they kind of ruin, I believe, the idea that Sam ends up with the shield because if I recall, the action figures that they released for Falcon and the Winter Soldier is Sam with the shield and more of a red, white, and blue uniform. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know, I guess. I so... Know I don't know if that was just like some concept art thing that they released and it will be detached from the show, but I sort of took it as this is where we're going. And I think it is where we're going. I feel like this season is about him wrestling with the idea that he was selected and giving it up because he didn't feel like he was right. But when he sees somebody else taking it, spending a lot of looking deep inside and realizing I was chosen for a reason, it's my job to step up. And whether that's because the new Captain America gets fired decides to quit or if I had my way dies. Yeah. He doesn't have to be disemboweled. I'm fine. If he gets blown up by that girl, go going dark here. Uh, yeah. I want to watch it because I I love Loki and I'm, I agree. I think he, I think Hiddleston's just an amazing actor. I, I've seen the first one with uh, and Owen Wilson's and Owen Wilson. Me, I, I love Owen appreciate. Wilson. I'm a massive Owen Wilson fan. Now, so I've seen the first episode where they're going down the elevator together. You don't see much and. I don't want to watch anything else as I don't want anything yeah. to be ruined. So, but I, I, cause it starts up, I think, right. Was it like a week? June after, 11th. A week uh, after this which ends? would be about right. Because so we're on episode four. We've got three more Fridays, which would put us to seven. They probably, so I think there's going to be a gap week again. Yeah. That's what I figured. Actually, they- there might be two gap weeks. Uh, because I bet they don't have new content well, on um, Memorial day weekend. Then you know what the worst part about that is too? I think that starts up the week I'm on vacation. So I won't even get to watch it, I think, until I get back, possibly. I don't know. You're going to be at Disney World. Do you think they won't find a way to let you watch a Disney show at Disney World? They'll probably have it. They'll probably have it on the rides while you're going in. They'll just be Uh, replaying it. Because I think they built Marvel World. But yeah, they have. Just sucks that we can't interact with anybody. But it is. You see the Tom Brady interacting with Kylo Ren thing? Do you see the the meme of the picture? Yeah. About uh, what was it? Him standing there, Kyler Ren behind him is like the Jets fan, the nightmare of Jets fans or whatever for like the past decade or whatever. Because that being uh, Bill Belichick, that was classic. That was really probably funny. still is nightmare is. of Jets fans. All right, so that will do it for us today. We will be back on Thursday with Dennis and, again, John Lobb of the Draft Bible and SI. Uh, we'll be talking about rookie running backs, maybe some mock draft stuff, talk about rookie wide receivers as well. We'll see see where the show takes us. Uh, but, obviously, we will uh, be back then. Should be a lot of fun. Can't wait. Uh, that John, like I said, is phenomenal in the fantasy space, has a lot of knowledge. So excited to talk to him. So until then, enjoy what is this is Tuesday. Enjoy your Wednesday. We will be back again on Thursday. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wrong line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Only tackle the ball.